up? What up? What up? What up, world? Okay, so I just finished watching the premiere episode of AEW Dynamite on TNT. And I got to say, this show was lit uh, AF. I'm going to keep it PG in case some kids hear this. So what I got to say about this show is pretty wild is from the get-go, you get some severe, severe, severe WCW throwback vibes with JR and Tony Schiavone on the mic. And it's exactly what you thought it was. The spectacle, the arena, the chandelier, same setup from Double or Nothing, same setup from um, not Fighter Fest. Fighter Fest is a little different. Same setup from uh, All Out. There we go. And my gosh, it did not disappoint in spectacle. Like it just looks like a real high caliber, high budget, top tier wrestling company as far as the facade. Does not look like something you see on TN, TN, uh, TNA circa 04 or like. Even Lucha Underground, which is amazing. I love the condition of Lucha Underground, but you can tell it was a small-scale project. This thing looked epic. I mean, it looked very similar to your typical Monday Night Raw or SmackDown-sized stadium. So I am excited because next week I will be at the very first Boston show for AEW Dynamite at the Aganis Arena, home of the BU Terriers. Go Terriers. Anywho. Back to some facts here. The first matchup, Sammy Guevara versus Cody Rhodes. Uh, What can I say about it? It was a solid wrestling match. It was something that you just kind of see in any era, which is great. A matchup of two about similar sized men. I'd say Cody Rhodes is a solid, what, 6'2", 6'3", in height in about 215, and Samir Guevara is like 195 at a 6-1. The matchup was very much uh, lopsided in the beginning with uh, a lot of high spots, uh, as you expect, because Samir Guevara being a cruiserweight and uh, Cody just being an all-around wrestler, but there was a lot of technical wrestling in this. It wasn't your typical you know, uh, spot monkey match like the Bucks do. It was something that was solid, fluid, and definitely had a storyline through it that was really good because Cody, no matter what match he is, has always stolen every match on every pay-per-view thus far. And for his premiere episode on cable, he didn't disappoint one bit. And let's just get on a side note, as far as the uh, gear, Cody's gear, I believe is the same gear he wore when he was dressed as Captain Picard and when his rivalry with Sean Spears uh, at, all out and then uh sammy wore his i believe his all out was he an all out no i think he was in fight for the fallen the fight for the fallen black and gold gear with the panda mask slash hood slash uh taxidermy mascot thing he has going on for him which is fresh as hell and a different take of the uh warrior mask i guess you can call it sammy was your heel character. I'm glad they solidified him as a heel because I couldn't see him as a babyface. He is too much of a, whatchamacallit, uh, dickhead. <laughs> now, I love I love Sammy. I love hearing his podcast, uh, vlog, sorry, not podcast, his vlog. And his vlog is something different. I, I just subscribed to it out of random curiosity because I wanted to see who this kid was. Former AAA Cruiserweight Champion, 
very much a big heel character, but he didn't come off as a heel in his vlogs. So I'm like, let's see if he's going to be a babyface or if he's going to be a heel when he's on television. And he didn't disappoint. He was a great all-around heel. I'm glad that AEW is finally taking tips from whether it's Cornette, from uh, Jim Ross himself, or any of the other many people that have criticisms about AEW. Whatever criticisms they had, these guys definitely fine-tuned and fixed and took all the criticism to heart and finally solidified themselves. And what a match it was. Cody was your baby face. That he, he was, he has that all-American, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, like, he kind of reminds me of, like, Guile from Street Fighter. Like, he has a very essence and persona that, like, solidifies babyface. But Brandy, who's a bit of a tweener, at a point, Brandy is very much a tweener. Uh, the desperate heel at times and the schemer. Definitely there to help her man out. I mean, it's, it's of course, you're going to help your husband out, but... She is not going to shy away from heel tactics where Cody for sure is going to be like, nah, chill. Like, let me just keep this nice fair fight. So let's see. I believe that now, once the match is set up, I don't want to just talk about everything that happens because you can watch the match on TV. It'll be air. Probably be on Hulu, if anything. I'll probably check out tomorrow see if it actually starts airing on Hulu because that'll be a good way to catch up in case I miss it. But um, from behind comes Jericho after a stunning match with Sammy and Cody. Don't want to give away the finish? Uh, let me give away the finish. Why not? Cody wins it. Clean win with a lot of nice spots. They did a Spanish fly, and they did a lots of uh, throwback 80s-style suplexes, which I was not mad at. I'm a fan of the classic wrestling style. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love high spots and I love all the flipping tricks you see on NXT and you see on SmackDown. But at the same time, I love to see a solid wrestling match just be about storytelling because all those spots mean nothing. If there isn't a story to the thorough line, it's essentially a live action play going on in the ring. That's what wrestling is. As much as Jim Cornette hates it, and he'll probably hate me for saying this, I do believe there is some form of theater in wrestling, not, it's not, I'm not saying it's all theater, but theatrics are definitely within the thorough line of the wrestling. It's a stunt show. It's a stage play. It's everything and everything you can think of in one. That's why we love wrestling. It's not just one-dimensional wrestling matches. It's not just one-trick pony spot matches. It's about telling a story, a freestyle story between two opponents in a ring and making it look good and getting the crowds popping. That's as simple as I can say it without it being a controversial opinion. Now, Jericho comes from behind. His heel tactics are typical Jericho heel tactics. Uses the belt, that big golden belt. I got to say, not since the end. IGWP, there we go, IGWP belt. Have I seen a heavyweight championship belt that looked like it was a, like it weighed? Like this belt looks like it weighs. It's heavy to look at, for God's sakes. It's this enormous plate of gold on this black leather, and I love it. I love that they went for a traditional look for both the men and women's belt. So I'm kind of curious to see where the tag belts look like down the line because I really want to see how they will differentiate their tag belts 
from other companies. Because I will admit, I am not a fan of the penny belts from WWE that look like the ones you get at the carnival when you put in money with a quarter and, and you somehow get a copper stretched out penny. You know what I'm talking about. I'm not really a big fan of the ROH tag belts. I mean, I'm not really a fan of any of the ROH tag belts. Six man regular. I, I think the whole ROH belt system has to like get reworked. The main heavyweight championship looks way better than it did a couple years ago. But I feel like they got to put that same effort into the rest of the belts. Because the six-man ta- six tag, uh, not a fan. It is one of the worst belts ranked. One of the worst belts, mind you, on many YouTubers' ranks. You can go ahead and look. It's just not pretty. Then you got the impact belts. I'm okay with the impact belts. They're very different, but that's a good thing. You don't want to be similar to your opponents. You want to try to stand out. And as much as I'm not a fan, personally, of the belts, I don't think they're ugly. I just think they're different. And they're just not for me. I'm not a big fan of silver and blue. It's kind of like... I don't want to say off-putting, but it's kind of like you kind of dull the color. I feel like a traditional belt should always have gold. That's just my opinion. you got to have gold. The NXT belts, amazing belts. Why? Because they're black on gold. Gold always looks good, and it always shows championship wins. You go to the Olympics to get a gold medal. You get a silver and copper. uh, I mean, is it copper? Yeah, silver or copper medal. You're happy. But to get that gold, that's what you're there for. So there, ergo... A gold title has higher caliber because gold is a higher mineral than silver and bronze. Oh, that's not like copper. It's bronze than bronze, so etc. Now, after the match, back to the mauling, Cody gets destroyed by Jericho. And I don't want to get into detail. You can just watch it. And after all that, we get to the point where we are uh, introduced to uh, Britt Baker, who comes out, sits at the table with announced table with uh, Shivani Ross and uh, Excalibur. She's just there with a with a bitter ass face, like she knows that she wanted the spot and didn't get it for her. It is what it is. So she's there with her, you know, resting face, just chilling, the resting bitch face. I'll admit it. That's what I'm thinking. But it's playing the character. She's not really salty. It's just what the character on TV needs to be, because she doesn't want to sit down and see. Nyla Rose, the native beast, the baddest bitch on the company. I think, outside of Awesome Kong, Nyla Rose is probably the biggest, heavy, I'd say the biggest obstacle for the whole women's division after the lopsided battle royale. They've made the women's division look so weak with Nyla Rose decimating every female. I mean, it's one thing if she takes down a few. It's another thing if she looks strong but gets hurt. But they made her almost look unstoppable like the Terminator. And I know that you're trying to make a monster heel. But you shouldn't bury your other your other you know, your other talent. You really want them to all stand and somewhat hold it down. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot I skipped the match. Let me uh take a breather to reiterate what I was trying to say. Uh, the match after Jericho uh, attacked was actually Brandon Cutler's debut against MJF, the Stall of the Earth. My gosh, I didn't think this one was going to be that much of a match, but their online back and forth on being the elite and the whole uh, Joe Maganello uh, <laughs> internet uh, 
fiasco with uh with apparently MJF is rarely adverse to D and D. Now, me as a former uh, gamer of uh, tabletop D and D in my high school days, I get it. D and D is nerdy. D and D is very of geek culture. MJF is a heel. He's supposed to make fun of geek culture. It's an easy thing for MJF. But my gosh, the burying of it. The, I find it hilarious how like easily people online are triggered over. Uh, Simple comments like many people were burying MJF before they realized he was a wrestler and a heel, and it became articles, it became headlines on many sites. And I was laughing my ass off this whole time because, like, they don't know they're getting worked. Is MJF is hands down top five best heels right now? Welcome back, everyone. This is part two of the AEW. TNT Dynamite debut. I am here to start off where I left off, and that was the match with MJF versus Brian Cutler. Now, uh, what was I talking about? I think it was a whole Joe Meganello uh, muscle and finish cover, and the whole MJF getting himself over as a dastardly heel. MJF reminds me of a young Miz. Now, I know he probably gets this comparison a lot because they have similar attributes and similar features but mgf really stands in his own because he definitely plays the throwback heel to the core i mean this is a guy that made fun of a kid in a wheelchair there's just no more to for this is the despicables you can get this guy's a effing savage uh the match all right back to the match brandon cutler in brand new uh gear um i like the gear i gotta say i always want to talk about the gear because it's part of the character uh Brandon Cutler's gear is very much reminiscent of what looks like a Vegas carpet, similar to the New Day had uh, a few weeks ago, or a couple couple weeks ago. Wow, how long was it? Um, but anyway, uh, he looked great. Brandon Cutler uh, it was not a squash match. Everyone thought it was going to be a squash match. It's not. He didn't job to MJF. It was a nice heel over babyface match where. Brandon gave it his all. He went for a tope suicida and tweaked his leg. Standard injury. Then when he got the best of MJF, went on the top rope and slipped because of said injury. And as he comes down, MJF takes advantage and taps him out with his finisher. I forget the name of his finisher, but it's some form of an arm bar. And but before that happened, he did a slight, uh, she checked him with his elbow when the ref was looking. Classic heel move. Love it. There was a, it was a great, say, 10 or so minute, not even probably a seven minute match. I'm glad that they're finally doing this right. You cannot have half hour matches for every person, uh, every matchup on the show. You have two hours. You've got to squeeze in shorter matches. It cannot all be half hour Iron Man matches. I'm glad that the pace of these bouts are actually normal now. They seem like they got, the hang of it, I mean, you got Dean Malenko up back. You got Arn Anderson, who definitely is a huge, I think, between Dean Malenko and Arn Anderson. And Billy Gunn. I cannot undersell Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn was a great producer back in backstage when he was on SmackDown. But um, those three guys definitely are helping Dynamite feel like a wrestling show and not just like another pay-per-view. It was really set up well. And producing TV is not easy. I find it easier to produce a pay-per-view versus TV because you have more hours in the day to do things 
but also the the bounds of restrictions are not there because the commercial there are no commercial breaks in pay-per-views you kind of have to insert them as like uh micro you know announcements or whatever but for tv it is live people you got you can't mess up there is a lot of room for error and for a first show i gotta admit i was not shocked how good it was it was a really good two hours that did not feel forced no, no match went longer than it should have been, and it kept you asking for more. So that's how you know it's good. Uh, so back to the women's match, which I kind of like inversed because of the my bad memory, even though I just finished watching it. I guess I'm just still kind of hyped and lit from this. Uh, Nyla Rose versus Rio. Great matchup because Rio is going in there as the biggest underdog in all of wrestling. A 100-pound woman who is average height, I'm not going to lie, she looks decently short, but not too short, what, 5'1", five, 5'2", five, nothing drastic for, you know, uh, no, or is it 5'3", let's just say 5'3", for a good measure. Nyla Rose is a big woman. I'm talking, you know, she's going, as far as we know, 5'10", let's just go with 5'10 in height, and she is about almost 200 pounds. And JR in the last pay-per-view was like, there's no way that Rio's going to go over Nyla. Like, it just seems well lopsided. Like, JR was really against this matchup because it just seems like it's very, like, it was going to be a squash match. I'm going to call it how it is. Like, I'm not going to be fake about it. It's a damn squash match. That's what they thought. And you thought. <laughs> you thought. And it wasn't that at all. It was actually a decent bout, very similar to a... Batista versus Mysterio matchup. Rio did her thing, and it was something to see. She came back from life every time. It's like she had a bag full of Phoenix Downs, and she kept getting knocked out. And uh, I love the presentation that uh, Nyla was getting more pissed as the match went, which is good. You want to get her out of focus, so give the storyline that she's losing her sight of their goal She's pulling out chairs out of disparity out of the ring. Mind you, it's not a it's not a no DQ match. It's a full match that is just a standard wrestling match. And she's over here making piles of chairs to have uh, Rio just uh, get decimated over. She's not technically using a notice qualification because she's not throwing chairs. The chairs are just there laying down. If you so happen to get slammed on it and wrecked, it's it's still good. Did that plan ever backfire? She went for her cannonball flip, Rio out just in time, and the best selling I saw all night, Nyla was flopping like a fish. She took that like a champ. Because if I were to take those bumps in the back with those stacks of metal shares, I would have been crying too. <laughs> Good thing I'm not a wrestler. Um, but before the match, there was actually a small segment where they introduced Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, a.k.a. Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, I forgot that Jay and Silent Bob actually had Jericho in their new Jay and Silent Bob reboot. And uh, it's one of those things where, like, all right, we got our celebrity, you know, moment, uh, which is great because you kind of want to get the mainstream audience to look at this and be like, oh, I know these people. And uh, Jack Evans and Angelico are giving them shit, lots of shit. But luckily, Private Party is there to help them you know, separate and, you know, get out of there and uh, calm down, I guess. 
But I was wondering why Evans and, and Helico were there to begin with. They were in full gear. They weren't even like in regular clothes. They were just there to be uh, heels because, again, establishing heels is important in wrestling. I don't know who is the antagonizer and who is the protagonist, you know. And Because uh, in any storyline, we need to know what direction we're looking here. Uh, they introduced the World Tag Team Championship Tournament Brackets. Well, they've done this before, but they showed it again, which kicks off in Boston at the Gans Arena next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Just saying. I'm going to be there for that one live, and I might review that one because, well, I'm going to be there. <laughs> Why not? I might be Snapchatting the whole night, maybe IG Live, a little bit of both, you know, having a good night. And I'm just excited to see the Bucks in action because I've never seen the Bucks in action. I've seen them on YouTube. I've seen them on uh, New Japan, but I've never seen them live. Like watching wrestling live is so much different than watching on TV. It's just like Cirque du Soleil on steroids. It's just amazing. And uh, I can't wait. The matches up are going to be great. Um, okay, so back to the episode. We got a small promo cut by SCU. SCU. And they are in front of the White House, you know, dressed up as, like, Secret Service guys, cutting their Worst Town Bit promo, which obviously is doing – it's their signature thing. But then they actually are there in person. I didn't expect that. I figured you're cutting a promo, you're not there. And they're there to say, hey, we're ready to take on anybody, and we're ready finally decided which two out of the three are going to be in a tag tournament. And they decided to keep it OG with Frankie Kazarian and the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels for your best bet to win the tag tournament. So, a uh, respectable option there. But they get interrupted by the Lucha Brothers, who came to talk some shit. You know how it goes. Apparently, you got some misthrowing by uh, Pentagon, a la Great Muda, which is pretty cool. I like that throwback, like, you know, miss in the face. And then they just have a brawl. And it's just one of those funny moments where they're just back and forth, just, like, fighting each other. And then... That segment ends with them just separating and whatnot. So it's, you know, your typical moment of uh, cutting a promo slash brawl to set up the tournaments, to set up the hype for the next matchup. All right, and here we are with the finish. Nyla Rose versus Rio after back-to-back bumps and really going the extra mile with a lot of near falls. With one of the closest near falls I've ever seen, that my friend next to me was explaining to me that it was a near fall because I thought it was a pin. was so close. The mat hand on the ref's, the ref's hand was barely touching the mat. I swear to God, but it happened like at the blink of an eye. I'm like, all right. But that was close as hell. But in the end, Rio won. Everyone was shocked. Everyone was shocked because all over the web, you know how the internet is. Everyone thought that AEW is trying to pander to a certain audience. They're trying to, you know, make uh, moments for the sake of, you know, appealing. And uh, what's that word people are starting to use? Uh, virtue, uh, virtue, sig- I don't know. Pretty much people think that having Nala Rose in the brand is them pandering to the LGBTQ community, which I doubt that's the case because these guys have all been pretty genuine. And in all interviews, they've all said that we didn't even know that Nyla was a transgender. We hired her because she was skilled and talented and didn't find out till the internet told us that. You can hear that on Collider Live. That was a pretty good interview. And 
it was sincere. I believe that. I believe that her business is her damn business. And of course, this is professional wrestling. This is not a shoot fight. I mean, you have injured injured matches on CCW, Impact Wrestling, other promotions. So I don't even think it's a big deal to begin with, period. Other people think otherwise, and that's fine by me. I just don't give a shit what you think, because at the end of the day, it's all the world of make-believe people. No one is going to get really, really hurt unless you do a really, really bad spot. These are all trained, stunt, wrestling professionals who know how to take bumps. And I don't underestimate Riho because she's 100 pounds. She is trained the Joshi style of pro wrestling, the damn strong style of Japanese women wrestling. If you can survive that training, you can take any bump. And she did not fail. Then they show a small segment in the back with the elite and getting ready for their next match. Uh, and then they show Jericho with the the earlier, what do you call it? Uh, I guess you could call them surprise entrance of Santana and Ortiz, who still don't have a nickname for their tag team. They're just going to be referred to as Santana and Ortiz, which is fine. Two last names, it is what it is. Getting ready for their match their six-man tag. And uh, before that, you get the match of Pac versus... The Hangman Adam Page. Sorry to say, he did not have the horse this time. I'm pretty sure that was a one and done thing. And still sad because I loved Hunter Horse Helmsley. <laughs> uh, what a troll that was. Hangman looks great. He's coming in full gear with the assless chaps, the cowboy bandana, and uh, I mean, the bandit bandana, the cowboy vest, you know, looking like he's straight out of a Western. You know, slick hair, he's in there, ready to kick some ass. And then comes Pac, the bastard, looking as menacing and as heelish as ever, just snarling and just ready to just get to action and get to work. Now, I saw the first matchup between Pac versus uh, Hangman out of Page because uh, it happened in Newcastle, I believe, for uh, Wrestle Talk and. It was a really great matchup with a heel finish of Pac low-blowing Adam Page after he blowing out his knee, no pun intended, which carry on to the storyline of Double or Nothing and onwards. But that was a great matchup then. This match, a little slower paced. I like it. I like that it's not all spot after spot after spot, especially because... These guys could go, for big guys, these guys can go spot for spot for spot. And they toned it down. They paced it well. It was a solid wrestling matchup. Love it. You had a lot of near falls. You had a lot of reversals. It was just a really good matchup with uh, Pac using his signature black arrow into the brutalizer, the before called Rings of Saturn, now called the Brutalizer, which I like the name change because it cements it as Pac's finisher, not as Perry Saturn's move. And it's a little different than Perry Saturn's move. It's very much done in the form of a typical uh, amateur wrestling match, you know, Nelson Lock, I guess you can say. And Pac, man, when he won that match, you can see 
he had a badass cut right in his eye. So it looked like he just came back from a battle with his hair dripping his face and his crazy beard and all that. So he looked like he was a warrior just came back from victory in, in combat. And that's what I liked about that match. That it looked like a badass matchup. And again, a little bit of the action being realistic helps a long way. I'm not saying you got to cut with a razor every time in the ring to you know, show drama. But definitely the one good thing about this match, this is when I just started noticing, hey, they actually moved the barricades back at All Out. The barricades are way too close that you couldn't do any form of moonsault outside of the ring. You couldn't do any form of even a crossbody without your ankles getting eaten by the damn barricade, which which hurt me just looking from the audience. So I'm glad that they actually gave them some more space and moved them back to a way where you can actually have proper spots and it looks very like again very similar to wwe's setup which i'm not against taking the good things in wwe and making your own i like the four-sided ring i like that they use squared pegs instead of cylindrical for their posts it makes it different slight changes make things different you do not want to be a carbon copy of your quote-unquote competitor and I have to say that this matchup was definitely up to par. And at the end of it, I was satisfied. Did my guy win? No, because the babyface didn't go over. But I'm glad not every win is going to be a babyface win. So far, it's babyface win with Cody, heel win with MJF, heel win with Pac, and I guess babyface win with Rio. So it's two for two. Now the main event. Oh, this one was fun. We are seeing Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz, six-man tag against the Elite. They come into the Being the Elite theme song instead of, well, their own singer theme songs, which I thought was pretty cute. I guess it was fun. It was all right. little nod to Being the Elite. Wearing matching black and neon green gear. Uh... They look great. They look phenomenal. Uh, Nick and Matt, you know, went in there with a good attitude. Kenny did not play his weird character from being the elite yet. He was still the regular Kenny. Oh, and I should have brought this up earlier. After Rio won, uh, Nyla, of course, as a heel, attacked Rio, and then Kenny came interrupted and kind of saved Rio, kind of setting up a nice little storyline there for later. But the six-man tag was quickly interrupted. I'd say like five or ten minutes in. Not even. I'd say like, yeah, about six minutes in or so by Moxley. Uh, surprise return from Moxley. As Kenny was doing his Terminator stick, ready to do his over-the-top dive, Moxley came in and attacked him, took him out the ring, back back to the stage. They fought all the way into the VIP section where Moxley finished them, finished Jerry, uh, Omega off with his padded and DDT on a glass table. It looked badass. Great spot. The one thing I was kind of thrown off by is if uh, outside force interrupts a wrestling match, aren't they supposed to just stop the match right there? They kept the match going. That was something completely different. There wasn't any like, I mean, explain to me the rules. If there's a six-man tag, is it a no disqualification match? Because I thought it was a regular wrestling match. Even if it's a tornado tag, oh, unless it's tornado tag rules. See, now i got to do some research. i got to go into Googles and figure it out. 
or maybe just an all elite wrestling thing that they specifically do for all elite. They don't have DQ, or maybe the DQ has to be no. They had a DQ because now that's when I get DQ'd earlier with the chairs. These colors don't rhyme. I need some answers there, guys. Hmm. So yeah, Santana Ortiz came in. They were doing some good matchups, good tag between back and forth between them and Jericho. And in the end, you have what is expected. Matt was by himself isolated while Kenny was too busy fighting Moxley like hundreds of feet in the back room. And Nick was there waiting for the hot tag and he didn't get it. And when Nick got the hot tag, wow, was it worth it. Nick's hot tag was him doing all the crazy stunts you expect Nick Jackson to do looking like Spider-Man. I mean, the guy's amazing. Phenomenal talent. And uh, after all that, and after the back and forth, it ends with a Judas effect, and Jericho gets over. Match is over. Heels are smiling. Then they start beating the crap out of their opponents. Of course, Cody from the back, dressed in his producer gear with his uh, vest and tie, comes out to defend his boys. For nothing, because out of the cut comes Sammy Guevara and low blows up. Now it's like four on three, or five on, yeah, four on three. And then Dustin comes in to save Cody from Sammy Guevara, Santana Ortiz, and Jericho. And then another surprise person walks in the ring. I'm like, this is why I love wrestling, more surprises. Jake freaking Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger of WWE fame and Bellator fame, comes in. And wrecks havoc on everyone. And I haven't seen Jake Hager in years in the ring. But I think Bellator definitely made him way better. Like, he looked more fit. He looked more tough. And he kind of looked a little nervous being in the ring. I guess it's just his first 14 back in the ring in years. And my gosh, it was the biggest pop of the night. People were screaming, we the people. Channing along, I mean... I don't know if this is going to be a nice heel faction. It's going to be an actual stable with Santana Ortiz, Jericho, and Guevara, and, and, and uh, Hager. But if it's for storyline purposes only and not for actual longevity, I think they're setting up, in my personal opinion, this is not me being a dirt sheet guy, I think they're waiting for Marty. I think at full gear, if Marty's contract is up by full gear, which I'm not sure if it is or isn't, He's going to pop in as a surprise, uh, I guess, help for the elite to even the odds. That's just what I expect might happen or what I want as a fan to happen. But so far, after watching the very first episode of All Elite Wrestling, I was not disappointed. Everyone looked strong. Everyone looked good. There were a couple of flub-ups. I'm not going to lie. Again, this is live. If you haven't been on live TV, it's going to happen. If you haven't practiced the right spots, then guess what? You're going to mess up, and it's okay. You just got to pick yourself up and keep going again. Brandon Cutler messed up a Canadian story off the off the side, and he came back from it pretty good. He sold an injury to cover and mask it a little bit. Uh, with Pac and uh, Hangman, there was no... Really bad spots. Everything went well, and as according to plan, and one of the more technical, technically set matches of the night, 
with Melrose and Rio, there wasn't any like botches I can really point out. And as far as Cody and Guevara, it went pretty good. What a couple sloppy uh, cutters, but they weren't like bad sloppy. They were just like, I don't know. This is a, um, we're so spoiled with Randy Orton's RKOs where they look so seamless, but a cutter isn't quite exactly the same. And when people tell me to ask me the difference, I'm like, I can't really explain the difference, but it's, it has to do with a lot with hops and velocity. Because a cutter, you're just kind of just dragging the person down with you. Whereas the RKO, you're literally just jumping higher, almost like stunner. Like, I don't know. I gotta, I'm, again, I'm not the genius here. I'm just a fan watching the show. But uh, all in all, every match was great. And I'm glad to see that all Elite delivered from the beginning with the Meltzer bet till now. These guys came a long way, and I cannot wait to see where these guys are a year later or two, because if they keep this pace going, they're going to keep competition alive, and it's going to breed better success for all companies. I I know NXT had a show tonight. I'm going to watch that, and I'll probably review it as well. And this is not going to be a continuous thing. I'm not going to review them forever. I'm only doing the first week to see how things are going, and I might do the occasional pay-per-view, but this is my first test run to any kind of wrestling podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. I'm signing off because I'm exhausted and I got to go to bed. I give All Elite Wrestling's TNT debut, Dynamite, a solid four out of five stars. No joke. The guys uh, did pretty good. I would have given it a 3.5, but there are a couple surprises in the end that boosted it up. And it was definitely a good solid first run, first episode. I can't wait for next week when I'm in Boston to see it live and see the comparison of TV versus live. All right, yo, well, have a good night. Take care.